0: From Cities Church, you're listening to Gospel Stories, conversations about encountering Jesus amidst life's challenges. I'm Nick Offenkamp, your host, and now here's the show. Well, Karen, thank you so much for sitting down with me this afternoon and uh, and being part of the Gospel Stories podcast. Uh, just to get us started, how long have you been at Cities Church now?
1: Our family's been at Cities for two and a half years.
0: Okay. But you've been in Minnesota for a while, right?
1: Yes. I, I've i grown up here. and I was born in Minnesota and was here all through growing up until Um, I headed off to college.
0: Okay, awesome. And uh, you've been married for a while. Yes. Your husband's name and how long you've been married. Yeah,
1: Mike and I have been married for 24 years. So we uh, met and married um, in 19... We met in 1994 in December. We were married September '95.
0: Yeah. And that was, uh, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. That's a pretty awesome story. You, you don't hear, so if you wouldn't mind just sharing, how did you guys meet?
1: Sure. Um, some mutual friends of ours from, um, actually from Bethlehem Baptist. Um, I grew up there going to Bethlehem. Um, I'm a pre-Piper. I claim to be wow, a pre-Piper nice. That's kid. I grew awesome. Up there. My my father and his parents grew up there uh, they were Swedish. My grandparents were Swedish immigrants hmm. and started going to Bethlehem when it was the first Swedish Baptist church. Wow. So been there for a long time. Yeah. And one December ninety-four, mutual friends that knew both Mike and I separately um introduced us or set us up on a blind date over Christmas. I was home. Um for a break in december um actually doing some support raising for the ministry i was part of and um they set us up on a blind date in december 18th 1994 and yeah and we hit it off eventually and and, yeah we were had a two-week streak of dates And then I went back to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was living and in ministry, soccer ministry down there. And yeah, when I left to get on the airplane, um, I told this was when anybody could come to the gate with you. Sure. And I was having dinner with my family and I told them that, um, yeah, Mike's gonna meet us at the airport. And my dad looked at me, and he had tears welling up in his eyes. And he said, "Why is he coming?" And I, I said, "Well, why? What's the big deal, Dad? What's the big deal? Why can't he come there?" But he said, "Well, you're you're just my little girl." Hmm. And so my dad had a little better intuition earlier than I did <laughs> that this was going to go somewhere. So yeah. um, February we were um, engaged and. The following september um we were married and i moved back to minnesota in august before we got married
0: so most of your relationship then uh dating and engagement was long distance and it was uh, what a whirlwind
1: yeah it was it was um fortunately mike was able to because of his work travel a bit and so he would somehow loop in charlotte <laughs> into his destination to dallas by way of charlotte or <laughs> <laughs> somehow that worked in from, yeah uh, northern minnesota yeah so we yeah. were blessed to be able to kind of connect um mm-hmm. every couple months
0: okay that's awesome good and you guys have kids
1: we do we have four children um two boys and two girls our two oldest jeremiah and matthew are both in college Jeremiah is a senior finishing up biochemistry um, degree at Point Loma, uh, Nazarene University in San Diego.
0: That's a beautiful campus. It is. It is.
1: It is. Who wouldn't... Paradise. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go to school there, right?
0: Seriously, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, So he's thriving and doing really well, and it was a great fit for him. Perfect fit of a school for him. Um. And then Matthew is a sophomore at Wheaton College. And once again, that's a perfect fit for him. Um, He's thriving there as well. And then uh, Maddie is a senior in high school this year, going to be graduating and heading off to California as well for college at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. And then our youngest, Gabby, is 11, and she's in the fifth grade.
0: Okay. That's awesome. So that's a, that's a good range uh, in the in ages. It is. Yeah. Oh, great. And um, so growing up, I mean, being a like an original pre Piper Bethlehem member, that's awesome. So, what was uh, kind of your family dynamics uh, growing up? You grew up in a Christian home, um, but as far as uh, yeah, your own kind of journey of your faith becoming your own, what did that look like?
1: Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home with parents who feared the Lord and um, brought us to church we were there, downtown Bethlehem, um, whenever it was open, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. And it was, um, I came to Christ, made a decision for Christ when I was seven years old um, I was in the primary department on a Sunday morning, and my Sunday school teacher, Martha Larson, every Sunday, in our um, Sunday school time of our s- small group time, she would always ask if anybody wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior mm-hmm. every Sunday. And one Sunday, I I was moved and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Then and. As a seven-year-old, knowing as much and following Jesus in a way as a seven-year-old can, knowing that I was a sinner, but not really knowing how bad of a sinner I am and that I wanted to be with Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was really through junior high, the middle school years, that um, God gripped my heart through the mentoring of um, our junior high youth leader and his wife, Greg and Heidi mm-hmm. Heinz, and they um, set a trajectory for me, for my faith and my walk with the Lord like none other. It was a life-on-life life mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I'd spend every minute I could with them, and yeah. they invested in me and um, in teaching me how to walk with Jesus. Yeah.
0: Ah, oh, that's so awesome! I—it's uh, amazing just what a recurring theme it is in in all of these interviews that I've done. Like, um, very rarely is it is it a singular like standalone sermon or uh, you know one moment uh, where um, where somebody really grows as a, a disciple. It just always seems like God is using uh, faithful Christians who just really do, as as you're saying, life on life. Just really take. Um, take younger believers under their wing and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ kind of thing. So that's awesome. And uh, so then going into high school, you said you graduated and you went off to college in California, right?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. Um, High school, I graduated from Minnehaha Academy. Um, So I was there for... Middle school and high school and, um, played athletics, loved sports all my life. And, um, heading into college, I wanted, I knew I wanted to play, um, sports in college. And my, my biggest love was soccer, but, um, 1987, the landscape of women's soccer collegiately was, um, pretty small. So there wasn't a lot of opportunities. And I knew I wanted to go to a smaller Christian college. And so um, researching uh, Westmont College came up as they had won the NAIA nationals in 1985. And um, it was a small Christian college. And so I I took a visit in, to Santa Barbara and like, well, how could I not go here? <laughs> So kind
0: of like your oldest son, you get down there and it's right. like I've got to go to school here. Right, yeah. right.
1: And I wasn't—I was a homebody.
0: Sure. And
1: my parents were huge supporters <laughs> of me in athletics growing up, and they rarely missed uh, a competition, an event that I was playing in. And when I was making a decision for colleges, and my mom's only advice or only guidance was. Well, I sure hope you don't choose somewhere too far that we can't come and watch you play. <laughs> so I chose Westmont. Um, they still came out and saw me play. <laughs>
0: good, good. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, soccer has, from what we were talking about even before we started the the recording here, um, soccer has been a huge part of your life since... You were what six years old when you started playing, and uh, you're telling me that at that point there wasn't even any girls' teams to to play on, and so it was. Uh, you grew up playing with the boys all the way until junior high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I did. I yeah, I I wanted. I had older brothers, two older brothers who were starting into sports when I was young, and. I wanted to do that and soccer was the first the sport that you could play at the youngest age. So at six, you were able to play soccer. and So they didn't have, they probably would have said it was a co-ed team, but it was really, they allowed the girls to play on the boys' team. So from six to 13, I grew up playing with the boys and had no issues with it. Loved it. It was a great competitive environment and I was um accepted I don't I don't have memories of not being accepted I got along well with boys growing up and um but then in in middle school they started a girls traveling team and I joined that and then continued to um play on that all through high school and so we that's kind of where my um understanding of coaching and modeling of coaching began and um, not necessarily the best modeling to start with. Um, I remember that first practice, the the coach who was one of the girl's dads started practice saying, well, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about soccer, but I know everything there is to know about hockey, so we should be fine. <laughs> so, wow.
0: <laughs> that would have made for an interesting season, I Right, I right. Imagine. So that's how
1: the the the, the female landscape um, across the country probably happened pretty commonly where dads rose up to coach with not much background in soccer and yeah, and led us through the high school years and um yeah ups and downs and yeah. but playing I I love the game so it didn't matter who I was playing with or where I was playing, I just loved to play.
0: Just wanted to be playing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh so you mentioned sort of in passing, um, that when you and Mike had started uh, your relationship and dating, how you flew back down was it Charlotte? For uh, a ministry that you were part of, that was a soccer ministry, and so I'm curious, um, how has uh, your faith and soccer intersected? Which sounds like has been it's kind of intersected, interwoven through large portions of your life.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, the turning point in my. Um, life and ministry of soccer happened my sophomore year of college um growing up playing soccer it was it was a sport to play it was an activity it was separate um, from my relationship with the lord they Mm. i never had a and even an idea that soccer and my faith could coexist together they were two separate boxes that I grew up. I, I had my relationship with the Lord, and then I had my game of soccer. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college when we had a new coach come in, and he transformed and my view of what God intends um, for a sport like soccer, for a gift like soccer, for the skills that Um, God has given you to be used. Hmm. And for the first time in my life, um, he expressed and shared how um, the goal in soccer and the goal in playing soccer is to bring glory to God. Hmm. And I never knew that that could, never fathomed how that could exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, through his mentoring of our team, unpacked that and was teaching us and training us in, in the game, and, um, but showing us that it's about our heart's convictions and mm. that the, the game has to be surrendered um, and the attitudes of your heart is what matters and the aroma of Christ that you're portraying when you play now we're very, very competitive, and mm-hmm. that was um, challenge in in the beginning. To how can I be a competitive athlete and and win and glorify God in that? Yeah. Because um, I was trained all growing up. You do whatever it takes to win. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you, if if the ref doesn't see it, it's all legal. Right. And, and so that had that part of me had to be transformed. Hmm where it wasn't about what you get away with. and It wasn't about the gamemanship. Um, It was about your heart being transformed to bring glory to God through all areas of your life, and especially through this gift that he's given you in soccer. Mm -hmm.
0: Was that at any point like a, a hard pill to swallow, or was it just like, man, I've been waiting for this? my whole life you know since starting to play soccer at 6 uh, accepting jesus at 7 um waiting for these worlds to collide did it did it, just...
1: it was it was it was i was primed and ready to receive the message i had played in all sorts of um arenas of makeup of teams and coaches and but for the first time in my life, I was introduced to how Jesus is glorified through my play. And um, Graham, our our coach, just would keep um, encouraging us to examine our hearts as we were playing and, um, and how our, our actions and attitudes on the, on the field The good that happens and the bad and how you respond to the hardships on the field and um, the goals that you score and the great plays that you are able to do in a match, um, those are all gifts from God. Everything is a gift. Even your ability and your motivation to play is a gift. And so all those, we were encouraged at the end of a game to say, what are the things now that you can offer up? to the Lord. And, and each of those are like a flower. And at the end of the game, you have this bouquet to lay at mm. the feet of Jesus and with praise and thanksgiving for all that he's given you. And so it was a picture that I never, never had heard before. Yeah. So, but it came with, um, lots of surrendering. Um, I, I, had a lot of pride growing up and a lot of, um, I got uh, accolades from playing and that would puff me up. And I found my identity in a good performance. And when that good performance didn't happen, then my identity was at risk. Mm -hmm. And that's the peeling away of that happened in college those those college years of where is your identity mm-hmm. is your identity in a sport in in your performance or is your identity in Christ who is the giver of all good gifts and so that was a peeling away of um the heart of pride and I could could experience pride w- my, through my my coach would it, um he showed me where I I was even experienced pride Hmm. within my play. So when the game wasn't going well, when I wasn't doing well on the field, I would just get more intense and more angry in my play. And then my play got got worse because you're not relaxed. You're not playing in a relaxed way and with a creative style. You're one more mistake, and now another mistake, and now another, and then it would just, it would, the the fear and the anxiety of this performance would weigh so heavily on me. And he, and he said, "That's that's pride, mm. and that's what you're gonna need to learn how to surrender to Christ."
0: Yeah. So that's awesome to have a a coach like that who not only is able to uh, encourage and help your whole team see in the broad brush, but who's also willing to get into the the nitty gritty and point out specific areas. And, uh, I think, um, it, just the human nature, like our bent towards trying to prove our worth and that'll latch on to anything, whether it's academics or, uh, or for so many sports and it's certainly a big part of my own, story with with growing up and the perspective shift of uh, playing from a mentality of i have to prove myself versus what you're talking about of playing from a mentality of this is all grace i'm able to do this because god has put air in my lungs and given me uh, legs and ligaments and muscles through which i can can run and participate in this game um and then having a, a spirit of, of gratitude for all of that. Uh, on one hand it's, it's radically freeing. Um, and on the other hand, like that, it feels like there's that warring between the spirit and the flesh of, okay, God, thank you. I want to play out of gratitude and also, but does, do my teammates think I'm awesome? <laughs> uh, at least, uh, yeah, that's, uh, been a battle, uh, that I fought playing growing up. Um, so learning all of these lessons, your, your sophomore year, your collegiate, uh, experience of playing soccer, how did that play out then in going into a soccer ministry and in the years to come?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, um, after Graham coaches for three years. He and his um, wife then joined um, a staff with a ministry called the Charlotte Eagles in Charlotte, North Carolina, soccer ministry um, under the organization called Missionary Athletes International. And Missionary Athletes International uses the platform of soccer to share the gospel and to train up um, influencers through coaching and. Um, camps and tours to um, change the next generation. And so they um, moved to Charlotte and joined staff, and then um, were leading women's tours, college-age women's tours across the world to different locations. And um, I was able to participate on several of those, and it was through those using soccer as a tool and as a a catalyst to draw people um to share your story um, was life-changing and I I can do this this is something I feel a passion for and so after 2 years of staying in California and doing some coaching at Westmont um I after a tour decided to join staff with, um, the Charlotte Eagles. And so I was there working in with the, um, women's tour, um, as well as doing camps, um, all summer long, um, in state of North Carolina and up the East coast, we would do camps all summer and, um, just catching a vision for what sports ministry and being trained to use sport as a, opportunity to share the hope that is inside of us and it was awesome i just i i resonated i i, I love soccer i love the gospel i love people and i get to do this every day yeah
0: yeah uh, it's uh amazing when so many of the things that you can love converge uh, like that um so what yeah what did that look like uh you know, in a, what are some of the things that you saw uh, God do as you think on specific uh, players that, that you got to engage with? Or, or how, um, how did you find you were able to really integrate and use soccer to talk about uh, the hope that you found in Jesus?
1: Yeah, well, especially um, women uh, teams, women are so relational. So when you take a women's team um, anywhere but especially overseas and you play a match um the match can be very very competitive but when the match is over for the most part women are good at leaving that aspect on the field I mean you could have won 10 nothing you could have lost 10 nothing and um you have this camaraderie and this understanding that it's more than this game and now you have a team that you've just spent 90 minutes playing against and trying to build relationships while you play but then after the games we would always have opportunities to spend time with the teams um, through through meals and then oftentimes traveling they would show us their city and we got to do um, life with them for different periods of time and with the hope of sharing our story with them. And we would often share, um, in, um, restaurants or I remember I was in, um, the Czech Republic and it was my turn to share my testimony after a match in, in the, in the pub that, pub that was connected to the stadium where we played and i started sharing my story and a fight broke out between two drunk guys and over a pool game and i was like and the gospel and god's word doesn't return void but you you had to (laughs) um kind of deal and know that god has a plan for his word and in the midst of a a brawl happening right um the translator kept saying, "Just keep going, just keep going." <laughs> so in that, in that was the arenas and overseas. But and then mm-hmm. through camp, I fell in love with the vehicle of camp and the opportunity to um, share the love of Christ through soccer for a whole week on a group of kids and to give them opportunity to make a decision for Christ and teach them the game that I love mm-hmm. and. Um, ignite their hearts um to the lord for the first time or encourage them in their walk in the lord and how to use this sport as not something separate but as part of their story
0: yeah yeah, yeah it's awesome uh, it's something about um doing sports together the the competitive nature of it i think it like what you were talking about in yourself uh it does draw out a lot of the the pride a lot of the performance it draws out a lot of the insecurities that that we then feel and uh so it sounds like um, there have been some pretty awesome opportunities then to share the very things that you learned in college as as uh, Players are going through similar mm-hmm. kinds of things as you mm-hmm. watch them beating themselves up for their mm-hmm. their lack of performance and mm-hmm. and being able to share similar hope to to what you yourself had found. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And now you got married uh, while doing the soccer ministry, or when you came back from right. it, right? You yes. moved back from Charlotte to the Twin Cities yep. uh, when you got married. Yeah. And was that the end of soccer ministry for you?
1: Um, no, it was actually just the really the beginning. I think that time leading up to that was my training period, which um, God's never done, teaching us and training us. But um now I was stepping into um, how I was gonna take what I've learned through my experiences and through the training and teaching and modeling um, of the Charlotte Eagles program and bring it back to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So Mike and I were married in September and then a job opening opportunity arose at University of Northwestern. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was offered to be their first um, women's coach. So in 1996, I started coaching at the University of Northwestern and um, coached there for 10 years and absolutely loved it. <laughs> loved just being able to share my faith openly with um, the players, mentor them, and, um, and teach them the game and train them. Um, but what I love about coaching is... of it is mentoring, Mm -hmm. 20% of it is tactical and technical. Mm -hmm. And so it was amazing to be able to meet these players every day. I got to see them every day for three hours Mm -hmm. at at least and um, share the hope that I have through Jesus and how to use this game. And even if they weren't going to use this game forever, this was a training ground for them to understand how to deal with hardships and how do you how do you react when things don't go the way you hope they would and when you keep losing and you keep being injured and where is god in this trial and how is god preparing us to face these trials through the environment of soccer and through what we're learning on the field and how that is affecting our hearts and our minds and our attitudes. So it was, it was awesome. I loved it and loved the opportunity to coach. And, um, while I was coaching there, um, the athletic director always offered any of the coaches to run camps, um, as supplemental income. Um, use the facilities and run camps. And I was like, this is, this is choice. This is what I want to do. This is, I can do it. I can coach, I can run a camp and I can use what I've learned um, through my time with the Eagles and, you know, do a, a Minnesota version of um, the Eagles camps up here yeah, in our own backyard and introduce people to the go- kids of the gospel and to sports ministry. Um, and at this School that I love and where I was working and coaching.
0: Mm-hmm. So, when did you say you started those camps?
1: um 1996. Okay,
0: and are you still doing those?
1: I am still. Yes, this wow. is year 2022. 20, we took I took one summer off when I had Maddie in the middle of the camp time, so we took one year off. But we've been doing it. This will be our 22nd year. Um, I started, I was pregnant with Jeremiah at our first camp and the first camp we ever did, um, we were, we were quite motivated. We did, um, two basketball camps down in the parking lot and downtown Bethlehem. And then we did two soccer camps up on the campus of the University of Northwestern. And so that was, that was a crazy summer. And... Um, Through that experience, we realized, let's focus just on soccer, and let's just um, make a go and um, do it, continue to do where um, our gifts lie the most. And so we now have been doing um, Ultimate Goal Soccer Camp for 22 years, and it's just one week out of the summer, and we have it at the University of Northwestern, and we have um, averaging 150 to 180 kids wow. um, at camp, and we have a staff, an amazing staff um, of coaches that many of them have been doing it with me for 22 years. Hmm. So they keep coming back, and they take off work, and hmm. they come from wherever they're at and spend this week together wow. um, investing in these lives of um, the campers that God brings to us.
0: Yeah. And there are a lot of those coaches, players that you had through the?
1: Yeah, <laughs> both um, players. Um, they're all either played collegiately or coached collegiately um, or have. And a lot of them are players I had at Northwestern um, players from the men's program at Northwestern and just throughout our coaching. And, and I, I have campers, players that I've coached in the community that I grew up playing with, um, our kids now are coaches at camp as well. So we have a interesting model that, um, our camp is from five to 12 year olds. Okay. So when you hit 13, you've aged out of camp and consider doing older, you know, elite camps and with the older kids and just didn't feel God leading us to that age group, Um, but also wanted to continue to train sports ministers and introduce people to sports ministry. And Mm -hmm. so when campers aged out at 13, um, we allowed them to be volunteer assistant coaches. Cool. So that program, that aspect of camp has blossomed to where we, at a camp now, we'll have... um, 25 to 30 volunteer assistant coaches helping out the head coaches and learning what it means to be a sports minister and to come alongside coaches that are doing it and Uh modeling it and giving these 13 to 18 year olds an opportunity to experience sports ministry in a hands-on environment.
0: That's so awesome. So starting these coaching, uh, starting up a soccer program at university of Northwestern, which I imagine is a lot of work to take something that didn't exist and bring it into existence. Um, being newly married and then also getting these, these soccer camps uh, off of the ground. I mean, uh, you're in positions of a lot of leadership. Being a coach is a position of authority and leadership and, uh, So also being a complementarian, how did that play out in yours and Mike's marriage? Was he part of the soccer camps at all? And what did that look like?
1: Yes, he uh, absolutely has been. And he's been um, super um, supportive and wanting me to pursue the passion that God has given me. And therefore he's given both of us for Mm -hmm. sports ministry. And this started when I was coaching at Northwestern. Um, it was an opportunity as a married couple for us to, one, show these young women what a married couple looks like and what a godly husband is like and what a godly father is like. So we would have the girls in our home quite a bit to just see that. And Mike was at all of our matches and knew all the girls, and um, and they were some of them have had lived with have lived with us, but um, so he was involved um, right from the start, from the coaching, and then as we would m- moved into um, the camp aspect, um, he knew that I was more the expert on soccer and the running and of camp, and he was so supportive mm-hmm. in seeing our roles at camp in me leading and directing and him coming alongside me. Um, So an average day at camp, you would see me up front um, directing and leading, and you would see Mike filling up the water coolers, picking up the cones, um, encouraging the campers, and then he would also um, have opportunities to lead in our Bible times as well as we would take time out each day to share a word um, from what— God is teaching us through, um, camp and through what he wants us to hear through his word each day. And so Mike had a, a huge role in doing that, but our roles were, um, well, uh, encouraged, um, as we both pursued what God was calling us to. And, yeah. um, and, and the end of the week and our kids are all involved. I mean, it's, you ask our family, what's your favorite week of the year? And they would all say ultimate goal soccer camp week.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love uh, just how you said that too, with, uh, with soccer in these camps being your passion and therefore Mike's passion too, that, you know, he really took an uh, ownership um, of that and that it's been something that, that you guys, that he hasn't just said, Oh, that's, that's your thing. Uh, and I'll go and do my things. And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll catch up and compare notes, but to really say that, um, yeah, the, for a husband to say to his wife, like, I love you and I love the things that you're into and I want to do what I can to, to love you well by being part of it all. Praise God for for your guys' relationship and complementarity working itself out like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's an amazing week. Um, We intentionally set up camp in such a way where the campers are going to be um, introduced to an experience, and it's an environment that offers a great laboratory to um, digging into the heart of the campers. And when it's all done, when the last match is played on Friday, then each team has time to come together and the coaches then have an opportunity to talk about and what just happened and to um, talk about what they're feeling and where their hearts are and to point them to Jesus who already knows who they are and has them in his, the palm of his hand and cares about their heart more than any kind of win or loss or misshot. shot um, that they'll ever make.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's uh, it's such a helpful corrective to the two ditches that we so often tend to fall into in our culture, which is you know the one side is kind of this uh, passivity participation award. There are no winners or losers. You know, everybody's awesome. Uh, or the other side that's like the the hyper competitive. Um, I was a a youth soccer referee. And so I've, I've had a many uh, Saturdays where I've been berated by parents and coaches for, uh, um, you know, uh, apparently in my missed call, I have destroyed a, a child's chances for uh, any hope of a professional career, or at least it, it would appear uh, to be that way. To uh, with the intensity, um, and so to have uh, to be able to to not fall into those ditches, but to be able to say, no, we're going to compete really hard. Like God has, um, has given us these abilities and we want to use them excellently. We want to play our hearts out. And then at the end of the day, you know, win or lose, like we're okay because Jesus loves us. Uh, that's, um, a wonderful thing to, to infuse into both the lives of these kids and these coaches. And so, um, you know, one of the things that uh, another conversation and hopefully that members of cities will will hear more about is just ways that we can support you in the the camps that you're doing, uh, whether that's um, simply through prayer or if there's other hands-on ways that that we can be involved. And so I think uh, in coming weeks, there will be more details on, on how people can um, can learn more about what you're doing, um, but as we wrap up here, to uh, to those who find themselves in a in a similar spot where they have a a passion for for sports and a real gifting at it, and they're looking to um, to bring their faith into it, um, you know, through through your experience and, and what you've learned, uh, what kind of encouragement would you Would you have for those folks that are wrestling with, I want to be taken seriously in this thing that I love, and I also want to be true to Jesus and a faithful gospel minister when it feels like sometimes those things can live in tension?
1: Mm -hmm. One of the best things to do is to step back and to see the big picture and to see that what is placed in our lives is is opportunities to come to know him more and to grow more and more in love with him. And you know, this these silly things like a, a game of soccer. Um, we step back and see what's the what's the big picture? what's the what's of most, what does this all matter for anyways? And when, um, what I love about coaching is the opportunity to mentor, and to speak, and to share of what God is doing in this, and you see the big picture that you know this this gift, this skill, this opportunity can be used to um, draw you closer to Jesus and to the all satisfying um, work that he wants to do in your heart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for, for taking the time to share your story with us. And, uh, yeah, we will be praying, uh, that the Lord continues to, to use you as a coach, use you in the lives of these high school girls and use these, these camps. And we're excited about ways that we might be able to even partner as a, a church with you in that. Jesus, how I trust Thanks for listening to this episode of Gospel Stories. This podcast is a production of Cities Church. And you can learn more about Cities Church and find several other resources by visiting citieschurch.com. We'll be back soon with another conversation, so be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you were encouraged by what you've heard here, please leave us a review, or better yet, Give it a share so that more folks can hear about the work of Jesus and the lives of his people. And finally, a special thank you to Sarah Groves for our theme music. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back soon.